I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? I'm a sinking ship? Is that what, it, what I am? <laughs> are we in a, or, oh, we're all are in a we sinking ship? Are we in a sinking ship? Yeah, we are in a sinking ship uh, okay. that Jeremy Grant is no longer in. Uh, what? <laughs> I guess we can start there. I mean, so media day was Monday for most NBA teams. And so not only do you get Thunder content, which we'll dive into, and Alex will be on the second half of this podcast. I thought it would be good to get both perspectives on on media day. Uh, But Jeremy Grant had an interesting quote from yesterday, and it involved Thunder being a sinking ship. What were your thoughts on that? Well, even if I... Since uh, like English is my is not my natural language, I cannot say how harsh it is uh, in terms of like the thing that he said, how harsh they are. Uh, if you translate that in Italian, it's it's something that you don't want to say out loud. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, maybe um, I am. You can you can you can spin it in a positive way. You can say, well, now I am on a team that is competing for a championship, while probably the other situation was not exactly that. You basically say the same thing without saying, okay, see, it's a sinking ship, which I think is a bit unfortunate in terms of choosing the words. Uh, the, but, but I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's probably fine. And you want to maybe push a little bit more on your side now and, and stuff like that. So I, I really don't care. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably I would have gone in, in another direction in terms of choosing the terminology. Yeah, so he said, I don't think it was too difficult. This is referencing his trade from Oklahoma City to Denver. I don't think it was too difficult. There were some things going on in Oklahoma, and they kind of got rid of a lot of pieces, a lot of different pieces. For me, it was almost good to get out of a sinking ship. So it's it's interesting. I just For me, some of the stuff I wonder, did it all begin with the Paul George trade? Or was there this feeling lingering after losing in five to the Blazers? Because those are two different things to me. If there was mm-hmm. like this feeling of a sinking ship, of things not going well, because people are like, oh, you know, he's just talking about the trades, and that may be true. And some yeah, people, maybe not. Some people really minimize it, but he also went on to say that the thing he's most excited about in Denver is moving the ball. Yeah. And you you can say that and say that you are excited about that, but it also means that you were in a situation where you were not moving the ball and you would rather move the ball. And it's it's you're saying two things when you say that. And so to me, I mean, I, I'm not going to go ahead and jump to like the, the happy, like, oh, you know, Paul got traded and of course things were just going to change. That was the sinking ship. I don't. I'm not convinced that that was the only meaning of the sinking ship, and that may I may be wrong, uh, but you kind of got that feeling in the arena uh, when the Thunder were losing to the Blazers at home. It was just like, oh, 
it was not yeah. it was not a good environment. And to yeah. me that was like the beginning of that. And it would make it would make sense to me. Uh and Patrick Patterson even mentioned that there were issues going on uh within the Thunder locker room. And so it's it's interesting this comes out now. I would I hope people can dig in a little bit deeper with these guys and maybe figure out exactly what they mean and exactly what they're saying. Uh but it but it is kind of interesting and it and you look at the thunder now and if if everybody thought the thunder a sinking ship heading into the off season uh Sam did a pretty impressive job <laughs> getting rid of some of the pieces to uh sit, you know get rid of the sinking ship itself yeah i think i think that the more we hear about this the more we have two distinct th- things that we should analyze first everyone now it's talking about ball movement, about being more involved, about doing a little bit more. And this is not a direct uh, thing to say in comparison to, to Vrasic himself, but surely it is something that has to do with the way OKC was playing. And everyone in media day, uh, and also Jeremy's words, lean in that direction. I mean, the team was ready to do something. Thing else, it is interesting that it's Jeremy to do to to say those kind of words because mm-hmm. he was one of the issue I think about ball movement. He was a play finisher, not like someone who was able to 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 make something out of a mismatch uh, in certain areas uh, for others. For himself, yes. For others, maybe not. So I, I find it still curious uh, that he jumped to that to that kind of uh, idea. But anyway, going the general um, one of the general theme about the, the, the media day was that was was about more ball movement and about uh, the idea of going in, in, in a different direction respect to uh, what we had uh, last season. And and clearly this is this is correct a correct idea because you don't have the same personality. If you have Westbrook and George you do more eyes a period. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that the team was ready to move on from that, yeah. or at least they want to move on. Um, which I think it's not something to say against Russ, but it's something that I think um, is needed in a team like like this one. You yeah. need to move on, and you need to to find a different way to be successful. And being united uh, on that concept is, is interesting. Now we have to see if if this translates to the court. Second topic is the sinking ship and the idea that maybe even before the trade, OKC was ready to move on, which I find I find more likely than not at this point. Because yes, clearly uh, the desire of Paul George to leave for LA probably caught Presti off guard, but the idea of moving parts and maybe drop the core for a big offer was there. Uh, probably, maybe mm-hmm. not this year, maybe maybe not immediately, but it was lingering. And, and back to your point of making this huge trade, I think that you have to consider that Paul George was an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. And if an MVP candidate has two years left on his contract, you get value for it. Yeah, clearly. Especially if you if you can have two teams that are bidding against each other mm-hmm. and that was that was some making um and i think that now teams are way more uh careful about this stuff when a star 
when a startup becomes available, you make an offer, period. You do it. And that's what Toronto did, and that's what LA did. And probably we didn't hear about other teams that were kind of involved somehow. Um, and the same sure. with the Rockets and the, and, the, and the Heat for Russell. Because even if Russell had issues last season and two seasons and the season before that, he's still a superstar. And there are teams that want him. Mm-hmm. And if you have two teams and one offers Hero and the other one offers two picks and two swaps, you have the ability to choose between the two and to get something uh, more than what is common sense. Because maybe uh, if, you, if you have just one bidder, like now for Chris Paul probably, you don't find all that value. But if tomorrow Orlando says, now I want him, I am pretty confident that, that Presti will be able to leverage that and to get value for, for Chris Paul. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what what did you think about Chris Paul and and what he had to say? Yes, on on Monday. Well, I think that all the right words were like he said all the right words. He was very very uh, nice to hear the things that he said about OKC, about his knowledge of the city, of the guys that were there. I think it was great, and again. For this is something that Troy said, and also Brad, and probably also you, um, at different points in in the last few months, that if Chris Paul wants to be uh, somewhere else, either this year or the the season after or, or next season, he needs to be at his best in OKC, and being a good um, presence in the locker room will help, because part of the it's not just the contract, is the fact that. The Clippers had something, and Chris was probably an issue there. And Yander wanted to go, and then they had to trade Blake. The, the, Chris was a problem. And now the Rockets, after extending him, they wanted to get rid of him. So I, I really think that the, his presence in the locker room and like the other stuff that comes around this are important as much as the contract. So Chris has to fix that. The contract, probably he can't. Um, but but that part of his resume, he has to fix it. And so being great for I don't know three four months in OKC, being a uh, a vocal leader, being supportive for rookies, accept whatever uh, role and and load management. Um, these are the stuff that I think he can control. And if he wants to to be in the best situation possible, he has to do it. And so I think that media day was at least a start. On the on the right path. Yeah, I I, th- I thought he was great, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's hard to kind of parse through to me. Um, it's kind of hard to, for me to parse through what how Chris has been a problem with other teams because I know he has been, um, mm-hmm. but the Clippers was wasn't all his problem. And you also have to wonder, like, I think Chris was definitely a problem in Houston. But, like, mm-hmm. what percentage of blame does James Harden take with that? Because, like, any star oh, that sure. James Harden has played with, like, he's been a problem as well. And so I just, it's hard to parse through that. Sure. He didn't solve those problems. Let's put it this way. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh how do you feel about the Ab- Abdul Nader praise from from Monday? 
Why? Why are you asking me this? You know that I hated every second of it. No, I mean, uh, I mean, I really want him to succeed. Um, I also want other guys to have the same kind of time he had. Yeah, probably. And this is something that I will, I will always say. I trust Billy Donovan in terms of development. I have no reason to believe. Uh, well, almost. I have a few reasons to believe he may miss. Uh, aka Semash Kristen, but I have right. more reasons to believe that he knows what he's doing about like the, the minutes he give to certain players. Mm-hmm. And he gave a lot of those to Nader last season. And if this season he can be a slightly better defender and w- the weight actually helps. Uh, I remember us talking about that, about the fact that he was a little bit overweight and that probably was a question of someone on Twitter because I remember touching on this point. And so being in a better shape will help his, his defense somehow. And if the shooting uh, translates from an open gym to the court in real game situation, then Nader is a useful player. We saw glimpses of that in a few games. If Billy Donovan is able to get that on a consistent basis, then hats off. I mean, it's he's surely helpful if he can shoot 40% from the court. Yeah, it, it all kind of makes me think that he's uh, going to get playing time. Because <laughs> he did yeah. last year, and he's somebody that in the offseason, like my conversations, I know, I know they were... Like I hope he gets waived today. Like this is the deadline for his contract, and it just may have not even been a conversation for the Thunder. You know, maybe they maybe they do believe in his development, but you know, we are clearly partial to certain players on on this podcast. And the truth is, if they can get Nader to be a consistent shooter from beyond the arc, then this is all great. Mm-hmm. This is great. But if he yeah. shot, what did he shoot last year? Like low thirties, like that's thirty two point five, something not, like that. That's not a shooter. Like, no. That's not a shooter. I'm sorry. Like I think they could probably yeah. get the same amount out of Deontay Burton, and he's a better defender, and he's a better ball mover, and he can handle the ball better. So like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And so that's that's my my beef with Nader is that I just don't think he can do anything besides shoot, and he just didn't even do that well. So, yeah, uh, it's it's hard though to to be detached from from what happens in the gym. Like I I truly yeah. believe because not not just Thunder officials but also like guys like Brett like Royce they stress the fact that in after practice he was among the best if not the best shooter on the court. And it's hard if you are a coach and you see this guy going I don't know. 85 of 100, like something like that, shooting mm-hmm. 85% on 100 attempts to, to, say, to say, well, you, you have no chance to hit 40% right. on a, on a, like on a game situation. Uh, I was listening um, yesterday, I think, the podcast of Zach Lowe and, and Richardson. Yep. And he was discussing those kind of uh, exercises and said, well, I, I hit once 70 out of 100. And, and it seems like something really great. And then you see those numbers going into a 35, 37, 38% shooter. Like Nader was 
like can be a shooter like that if 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 those reports of him eating basically everything are true and so yeah maybe it happens i mean i i don't really know i i hope it happens because if you have a 40 percent shooter on your bench and you can in and you can in like include him in your rotation it is helpful mm-hmm. uh, I, I think another huge storyline from monday is obviously andre robertson it's maybe the biggest one yeah is that he's yeah. ready to go and that he's practicing without restrictions and those are all the things that you've wanted to hear for 18 months <laughs> and it's yeah it's finally here and it changes the dynamic of this team pretty significantly, and I think it raises the ceiling of this team uh, in a in a real way. Because if he can get back to any percent any percentage above eighty with what he was when he went down, this team is going to be able to compete. And yeah, he's a guy that if you have he and Steven on the court, you're going to have a great defense. Like that's just the that's the end of the sentence. That's it. They're they're going to be great. And I wonder, do you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? I still think some people are like, well, is he even useful off the bench? Well, I think he is because there's a lot of six man scores out there that if you just throw Andre on him, like you neutralize that threat. And so, and you can close with them if you need to. You can play them with the four if you need to. Um, but, anyways, what are, what are your thoughts on Andre and and his comeback? Well, on the top of what you said, which I agree hundred percent, and maybe I'll I'll say a few things about him coming off the bench. Um, I think that what Billy said after the first practice, uh, Medley recorded um, an extended uh, comments of Billy. Uh, on Andre and he said kind of those words I don't remember exactly but he said even if he's not there physically yet I'm impressed about the reads that he has so this is something that we should not uh, forget about Andre he is not just a guy with incredible physical tools that can apply those tools to defense he's a guy that reads the, the, the opponent's offense in advance he is a cerebral defender, uh, if that if that makes sense, mm-hmm. he's a guy that that knows where to be, and this already means a lot to to get a floor of your defense to your defense. And you're right. I mean, if you pair a guy a guy like that with two centers, not just Steven, but also Neres, which even if he has a lot of issues in terms of being in the correct position, if you drop him because you have a guy like Andre playing pick and roll coverage with him, and he you you value the defense of Nerus more because you have a shot blocker, a real shot blocker, and you have a guy that can read pick and roll in a very, very nice way. So I think that having him off the bench is something that OKC will do because you need a defender in that unit. You need a defender if you have uh, Danny Schroeder on the court more so than if you have Chris Paul as mm-hmm. your as your lead guard. And then... There is another point. When you when you go against a starting unit, you have way more talent around. When you have like a one-man show bench unit, Lou Williams, James Harden when he does his, his own thing, Russell Westbrook, you usually have a simplified 
at version of your offense. You do less passing, you rely way more on individual talent. If you have, well, there are teams that do that. Spurs are, are the complete opposite. They do everything in a system on the bench and probably rely more. So depending on the team you are facing, there is a huge role for a guy off the bench. Because if you lock up James Harden when he's playing by himself, you basically kill the Rockets offense. Yeah. Or if you do it with Russ, it's the same. If you do it with Lou Williams, it's the same. If you do it against um, Steph Curry and, and Draymond Green together, it's different. But if you have just D'Angelo Russell or just Curry on the court, it's different. So I think that there is a distinct role for a guy like Dre for 15, 18 minutes a night, which coming off an injury like that, it's probably what is right for him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a physician. I, I don't know anything. But... To, if you start a guy, you usually put his mint around 20, 25. I think that Rage will find a sweet spot between 15 and 20 to give the opportunity to other players to grow with him. And having Nader as a, as a possible option at the 3 slash 4 in a bench unit, if he's able to shoot the ball as we expect, this is something that, that bonds even better with what Dre can do. And so I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how optimistic I should be on him, but uh, basically what I said is if Andre is healthy and, and you, you put him in the right context, I don't see any way that this team is a, I don't know, a defensive efficiency. And if you are a top time in defensive efficiency, I don't know, you, you are not a very bad team. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, like if you are a bad defensive team, then it's much more likely that you will not be able to to be a successful team, especially in the West. Mm-hmm. Hey, joining the podcast is Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? <laughs> hey, hey, McKelle. Around the world pod. Yes, for like about five minutes. <laughs> 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 then I have. Um, to go but yeah we're just dis- discussing andre alex and him him being back what are your what are your thoughts yeah he was a full go i felt like that was the headline from media day yeah which was it's funny that it took that long for it to come out i mean honestly the fact that he hadn't said anything i was just assuming that it was going to be bad news right because I was figuring, like, well, if it's good news, well, they'd probably just get it out there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Andre's going to be ready for training camp or whatever. But so that was that was a surprise, and it was a happy surprise. I'm glad for Andre that he's back. Um, we'll have to see what that actually means. But the fact that he has no restrictions is a really good sign. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And I get the sense more and more that Chris Paul may be here all season. That like that that could be a thing, and if you have Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, and Andre Robertson playing, and even even Terrence Ferguson, like your defense is going to be good. If and you're Shea. Going to, and Shea, you're going to have a really good defense. Yeah. And if you have that baseline yeah. defense, and maybe some guys can pick up the slack and scoring. Uh, I mean, Chris Paul can score the basketball. Stephen Adams has that ability. Gallinari is a question mark, and I th- I'm pretty confident they're going to trade him. And maybe this is yeah. just maybe this is just all media day hype, because I mm-hmm. I feel more confident 
uh, about I feel way more confident about this team today. And I think it's just because that's what Media Day does to everybody. Because yes. I think that every fan base right now is sitting there thinking, yeah, we've got a chance. Like Minnesota's like, yeah, I, think, I mean, seven, six even? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's – I think that's where everybody's at. And so, like, you have to kind of ground yourself a little bit. Uh, but the Andre thing just gets me really excited for this team because we saw the impact that he made on that Mellow Thunder team. Like, Mel- that yeah. Mellow Thunder team was really, really good, even when yeah. Mellow was not that good. And Andre was kind of the glue to that team. And we even saw last year. 96 defensive rating. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. He was on his way to probably at least top three in Defensive Player of the Year, if not winning it. Yeah. So I, he's confident he can get back there. I need to see it, you know, for 20 games before I say, yeah, he's back. Mm-hmm. But it is it is kind of exciting, and it's and it's something that if he was not able to play, I think I'm not as excited about this team. But the fact that he is going to play, like we know he'll play, I think that you have to bump up expectations at least just a little bit. Andrew, you said basically the same thing that Danny LaRue said in his podcast. No. <laughs> oh, Andrew, how embarrassing. Oh, no. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Yeah, but yes, it is. But um, another point that made me actually hopeful and interested about next season is what Terrence said about his willingness to put the ball on the floor more. I know, yeah. And that part, again, I, I don't know why, since I was a pretty vocal uh, Ferguson hater up until November last season, now I'm overly excited about him, about the idea of a, 19, a guy who was born in 1998 who was already able to, to provide uh, reliable starting minutes and he's in year three of his uh, NBA career. I'm, I'm so high on, 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 his, um, on his ceiling for, for, for next season. Alex, you went on the Ferguson hype? Uh, yeah, he was one of the one of, I would say like one of the best speakers at at Media Day. He, like in terms of he just sounded very confident in mm-hmm. what he was doing. And so yeah, I mean it's cool for him to say that. On the other hand, we the last time we saw him try something like that was at Summer League two years ago. So I think we're still waiting to see that kind of ball handling that he was talking about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and just feeling confident finishing at the rim, too, in a non-transition situation are like two things that he's not been very good at. And it's led yeah. to like his low amount of dunks every you know in the two seasons that he's played. But he did seem very focused. <laughs> and, and, and what do you take from that? I think it's hard to, to take a ton from just what players say. Uh, but he, he looked a lot bigger. This year, which makes me more confident that he could start at the small forward, and I don't know, guys take leaps in year three. Like this is the year. Like I think if he's gonna be a, a more versatile player, this will be the year to do it. And not only uh, because it's year three, but just because the opportunity's there. Had Russ and Paul stayed, I don't know if he would have the opportunity because like you have to give those guys a ton of shots. Dennis Schroeder's still on the team, and he needs a lot of shots. 
Alec Burks would be on this team, and he's a guy that's going to handle the ball more and that was going to demand more shots, so that probably doesn't – he doesn't really have the opportunity there. Now he's he's got the opportunity. He's got to go seize it, though. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard Royce's hot take on Ferguson, but I think it's worth talking about. He thinks Ferguson's going to average 15 points per game this year. I jumped in my in my – room when i heard that yeah because i completely agree like not not maybe on the 15 points uh, i was lying like my, my idea is him hitting four trees a game something like that between 3.5 and four trees a game i know it's a very specific number but i put is sorry uh, i almost got hit by a car um oh my gosh don't apologize yeah, yeah. to us about almost getting hit by a car yes um <laughs> but anyway i I think there is a team concept where he shots eight to nine trees a game. Eight trees a game. Yeah. And then I think that if you give him eight trees a game, he could average more than 12 points. Yeah. And I think OKC should do that. And with yeah. that, with this crazy hot take, I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> All right, McKelly. <laughs> Thanks Bye, for guys. coming on. Follow McKelly on Twitter at, at Mikey Barra. Hey Alex, uh, we're transitioning. We're transitioning to a new part of the podcast. And do you know Ooh. who else is transitioning to a new part of their business? Uh, wedding photographer. No, it's no. the mule. Did you know there's going to be a mule in Edmond? I didn't actually. Yeah. So in downtown Edmond, the address is 16 South Broadway in Edmond, Oklahoma, and it's it's a great thing. They're expanding, and they're bringing their delicious hot sandwiches to Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, they're planning to open uh, by Thanksgiving, which is very soon. Uh, it's the exact same mule as the plaza. They're going to have the same menu, the same items. Everything's going to be the same. It's just going to be another location. And so be on the lookout for that. There will be Thunder Watch parties and all kinds of fun stuff at the mule there. Uh, so please go check it out. Their their food is just spectacular. They have really good French fries. I don't know if anybody's had their French fries. Their onion rings are good. They've got tomato soup. Their their specialty is grilled cheese. And so these are all grilled cheese sandwiches made in different ways. My favorite is the macaroni pony. It's got pulled pork. It's got macaroni. It's got a pickle. It's got barbecue sauce. It's just delicious. It's It's my favorite sandwich. And... You've got to go have it if you've never had it before. You can also go check out their other restaurants. Anchor Down, which has been a sponsor of the podcast before. Delicious gourmet corn dogs and Deep Deuce in downtown Oklahoma City. And then The Press, which is down the street uh, from the Mule in the Plaza District. Just delicious food. It's They've got a mac and cheese that is unbelievable. Uh, they've got a chicken fried steak that is awesome. They've got a veggie burger that my cousin... Joey tried to get me to try for forever, and I was just like, "No, like I don't, I don't like veggie burgers." And finally got me to try it, and now it's hard for me not to get the veggie burger because it's so good. Uh, Alex, any any words about the mule that you want to say? Uh, the mule. I always go there when I come home. Go to the Plaza One, and uh, as you said, I love their fl- their fries. They got a great turkey avocado sandwich. That's what I Ooh. usually go with. Nice. And they got local beers. They do. From local breweries. Yeah, they do. It's great. So 
Edmund, get pumped because the mule is coming your way. Support the people that support down to dunk. Okay, Alex, what are, what are your thoughts on... Uh, Mikkel and I talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Oklahoma City sinking ships. Oh, you know, I mean, it's funny because everything... We, we don't deny anything he says, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all true. You just kind of hoped he would have said something about like, oh, it was great being in OKC. You know, I'll never forget that place or whatever. <laughs> but I didn't actually hear what the question was. So, you know, who knows? He's just answering off the cuff. Um, what clearly, kind of ship is Oklahoma City? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. That should have been the follow-up question. <laughs> but yeah, I... You know, it was it was a little bit of a bummer just to wake up to that. I know. But it was kind of a gut punch because you never I, – I maybe expected it from a guy like Patterson who right. didn't play, was benched, was eventually waived by the team, uh, which says a lot about where a guy is in their career and maybe those guys are more vocal. Even a guy like Ray Felton – like you're like okay, like maybe you could you would hear that from him. He doesn't have an opportunity to say anything on media day because he's not on a team. But you know, like I just never thought it would come from him. Even Paul George, like I wouldn't be surprised if Paul George said something like that. You know, because Paul just says stuff, and yeah. you just got to be prepared for him to say stuff. But Jeremy, like Jeremy, was always great, and he was always great in Oklahoma City. He always was awesome in the locker room. Really great with the media. He was awesome, and it was. It was. It's weird, and it's a little shocking that it came from him. And that's. And I think people tend to want to downplay it, but to me, it's rather significant. Does it change uh, what non-Thunder team you're going to root for this year? Because I feel like you were on board with Denver. I'm still on board with Denver. I'm a little miffed at, at Jeremy, but I think I think we can move past this. <laughs> we can move past this because I don't because I don't disagree with him it's just sometimes hearing the truth like that from a player is a little shocking because my and my point is like I don't think that the sinking ship is nece- necessarily began when Paul George requested the trade I think that it began before that and obviously so because you don't request a trade just out of nowhere and it's not right. just because Kawhi Leonard said I want a player because if because if Paul wanted to play with Russell Westbrook he could be playing with Russell Westbrook right now. Yeah, you know, like it is. It is frustrating. All these guys saying these really vague things, and it feels like we're never really going to know what happened. Right. Like, like even in media day when they asked Nerlens about the double question mark Instagram post, he was like, yeah. "Oh, just, we, I was just figuring stuff out. Didn't know <laughs> what was going on yet. That was it." It's <laughs> like the shortest answer. <laughs> like, oh come on, you know that was something. Oh, New Orleans. Uh, who else stuck out to you from media day? Uh, I mean, the number one was Chris Paul. Yeah. I, I totally get why people dislike him, but this was a good reminder that the reason people dislike him has entirely to do with his on-court persona because his off-court persona is pretty flawless. Like, it's it's pretty amazing the position he's been put in at this point in his career and to not come out of this media day with any headline quotes, you know, like Mello was the same kind of player. And within five minutes he had said something right. <laughs> like who me, you know? 
and Chris is just like such a professional. He knows exactly like what he needs to say and how he needs to manage the situation. It was just impressive. Like he didn't say anything that was like suggestive that he wasn't happy. It was such a good, like every single answer, there was no flaws in it. So I just appreciated that because I was expecting us to be like dissecting every little Chris Paul quote. Yeah. But instead it was just like a really good, really good presentation. He was great. He was great just out and about in the arena. Uh, I met him, went up and talked to him, and he was very approachable. Just a nice man. Shook my hand, firm handshake, looked me in the eye, actually spoke to me. It's like, oh, this is just, this is a guy, and he's just being nice to everybody. And it's, I don't know. It, it was he was a huge winner for Thunder Media Day. Because he did give the impression that he was happy to be here. And then, uh, yeah, I thought it was funny that the two words he used the most, like his his crutch words were excited. Yeah. I'm just excited. I'm just excited. And then hooping. <laughs> hooping. He's just, a hooper. Ex- excited about hooping. Right. Excited about hooping. <laughs> I know. He was, he was great. And I also, I was basic. So my media day was I set the recording uh, for the for the down to dunk that I released on Monday. I made sure that I got my question into Steven Adams just because that was the only question that I wanted to ask. Uh, it was about him being a spokesperson for beef and his thoughts on the plant-based diet for Chris Paul. And then I just went and I tried to talk to as many Thunder players outside that you could. Because how, so how Media Day structured is they have that the Media Day interviews with the local media where you ask questions and they're at the podium and everything. But then there's stations all around the Chesapeake arena where they're taking pictures, they're talking to news outlets, so they're doing radio interviews. And so I would just try to get guys in between those stations and, and talk to them. Uh, and so I was waiting for Chris while he was doing uh, a radio hit for the sports animal here. And they asked him, you know, who are you most excited to play with? And he didn't hesitate. And it was Steven Adams. He said, it's Steve. And it's, it's not really close. He said that, that they've played pickup together through the years. And they would do just like you do like out on the playground where you have two captains. Chris Paul's one of the captains. And he would, said he would pick Steven first every time. Like he always wanted to play with Steven. That was this summer or like in the past? He, I don't know. It seemed like it was in the past, the way that he was talking about it. Um. Hmm. But he's he said that Steven was his guy, that he's really excited to play with him. And you're just like, oh, man, like this guy's great. Like I didn't really want to like him. I didn't want I didn't want to like Chris Paul, but I like I can't come away from that media day and not like him. And one of my friends has hated this summer so much and he texts me about it a lot. He's like, I just hate that he's like, I would have rather Russell Westbrook been here for his entire career. Like I just hate this. Like I don't want to watch this team. I hate it, and he and he makes fun of the fact like the media are excited that Russell's not here anymore, uh, just because they don't have to deal with him anymore. And so I I text him like, hey man, you know I I got to shake Chris Paul's hand, and he was really kind to me. I said that's as good as winning a championship for me. Like that's that's just as good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's bizarre because like, I mean pretty much everybody on the team was approachable. I mean, there was not one guy that kind of looked at me weird when I went up to talk to them. They're all 
very approachable, especially the younger guys, because they they almost look at you like, oh yes, sir, like whatever whatever you need, sir, kind of thing. But even right. the vets, like all the vets, were awesome. Uh, so it's just it was it's just a different vibe. It was just kind of a weird vibe. Uh, yeah, that's you know. kind of crazy that the sports animal was able to get uh, a Chris Paul interview. <laughs> I feel like that was that was like a big thing back in the early Thunder days, how they were like the flagship station, yeah. but they could never get any Thunder players. They could never get like Russell. Like it would always be like Patrick Patterson interviews and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. No, it is a big deal. I mean, Chris pretty much went around and talked to everybody. I mean, he, so they do the, the pregame videos that you see when you're in the arena too on media day and they have all those crazy lights flashing and, and they have the guys like scream and stuff like that. The loudest scream that we heard all day was from Chris Paul. Like he was in there just pumped up uh, for their pregame video. And it's usually like, like the other guys that are pumped up are usually like the, the, the camp invite guys. Cause they're really just trying to show that they belong here kind of thing. Right. Uh, we got some really, really good content from Lou Dort in there screaming. Uh, but then it was like those guys and Chris Paul. Which is like, what is going on here? Like, is are they sending this footage to Orlando or something? Like, what's what's happening? Yeah, I mean, he's just a pro. Like, you watch that media day and you understand why he's the president of the, you know, the players' union. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, before he was here, my thoughts on Chris Paul is like he's annoying and I, I don't like watching him play and he complains to the referees and he's been on these teams that I've hated through the years and so I just don't like him. I don't like the guy. And then I'm around him for like a total of probably 10 minutes. I'm like, ah, this guy's great. Like that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my guy Chris Paul over there. Uh, and I was telling him, like I just, I think he's going to be around for a little while. Like the more I think about it, unless they get an offer that makes sense quickly from the heat or from somebody that it's like okay like that's good value we'll take it uh, i think that it might make sense to wait until the draft next year to trade him because you th- with the the weak free agent class comes like guys that become available are a little bit more valuable right so chris paul can make a team better like he's going to make the thunder team better this year and he could make another team better next year. And plus, his contract is shorter. It's a little bit easier to take on than it is with three years. So to me, I just, the more I think about it, the more I think, one, I think it's going to be difficult to trade him and to get value, uh, the value that the Thunder want. And two, I think the Thunder do have some interest in keeping him around, uh, especially some of these younger guys and even Steven for his development uh, before they just hand the keys over to Shea and just let him have it. Yeah, and I'm sure for Chris Paul, I mean, you think back to he probably hasn't really been in a situation like this where he has this type of power and control over the rosters since he was in New Orleans. Um, Because when he went to L.A., I mean, Blake Griffin was really the the big star at that time. He was really blowing up. And then obviously Mm -hmm. James Harden was the top dog in Houston. And now he has this team where he actually has a ton of young guys who are ready and willing to listen to him. Yeah, and there's there's no question that everybody kind of looks to Chris as the leader for this team, and I think he really likes that. <laughs> I think he really likes right, that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was cool. Did you did you think it was weird that his first the first thing he did in Oklahoma City when he brought uh, one of his kids here was do an escape room? 
Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> have you done one of those before? Uh, I have not. I, 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 ha- I have. It's pretty well, fun, actually. Was yours themed? Was yours yeah. a themed one? Yeah, it was. It was alien-themed. Oh, spooky. We're like in this alien... We are in a laboratory that had an alien in it. We had to escape from, from it. It's it it very cool. And you did yeah. it. You succeeded. Oh, yeah. Of course. Andrew, I wish you could see what I'm looking at right now. Uh, the, <laughs> the, we have the guinea girl's cage set up right next to the computer. You do? Okay. And uh, guinea pigs do this thing called popcorning. And it's okay. Apparently... It's them showing they're excited, and they yeah. ju- they just jump up in the air, and they throw themselves like into the side of the cage. <laughs> and so that's what they've been doing for the last five minutes while we've been talking. They're so excited about Chris Paul. They are. Uh, okay, so in- anybody else uh, that got you excited? I think that some people listen to Dennis Schroeder, and they think that he's not excited about anything. But like that's just his voice. And he did the same thing last year, where it's like, ah, he doesn't seem too enthused to be here, guys. Uh, I don't know about Dennis Schroeder. I do think that there's a chance that he gets traded this year. Uh, yeah. Maybe even that, that, more so than That would than probably Chris make Paul. the most sense. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about how you get ex- you, you listen to all these guys and you kind of get excited about the season, mm-hmm. the one thing that was like a, uh, was how much, <laughs> how many people were excited about Abdel Nader. I know. It just kept coming up again and again. I know, man. I know. And if he can shoot 38 to 40% from three... I'm I'm on the hype train. I just haven't seen him do that. And it was also interesting how he gave like the most detailed answer about how he thought the offense was going to change. Yeah. Like he was talking about how we're going to do more cutting and more screening and we're probably going to be running up and down a lot more. Um, <sighs> I think he's going to play. I do. I think he's going to play. He and sounds like the, a leader, Andrew. He's the guy I most wanted the team to cut. Like if I could have, if I could cut anybody on this team outside of like Justin Patton or Devin Hall or anybody like that, it would probably be him. Yeah, it's like yeah, let's get him out of here. Uh, he's I probably that- going to play though. He he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Shea had the best voice. He's got a great voice. He's got a really. Deep I've never voice. heard all these guys' voices uh, other than like Stephen Adams is obviously instantly recognizable. But yeah, Shay's voice is then right after that was Hami, who uh-huh. Hami sounds so young oh, in goodness. comparison. Yeah, yeah. Shay has a great voice. Everything. Shay didn't say anything that interesting, but he also didn't say anything that would make you any more concerned. Mm-hmm. He still seems like he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I thought Ferguson's answer, we were talking about it early, specifically about Russ. Yeah. It wasn't, I, it wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was expecting a more like looking up to Russ, like how great Russ was. But he came right off the bat with like, you know, the team name didn't change. Like we're still the Thunder. Yeah. Like we still got to come out here. And he eventually said some nice things about Russ, but I just thought it was an interesting way to answer that question for a young guy like that. I know. I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, okay. Like the reverence to Russell Westbrook maybe isn't as extreme as maybe we think, you know, even among players. Because uh, it sure didn't feel like that. Like any time that you'd ask any Russell question, it wasn't really, it didn't, you didn't get that vibe. It was like, oh, we're going to miss him so much. Uh, I didn't, did you have, listening to it, did you get that feeling? What'd you say? You like, broke up, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just saying, 
that listening to the media interviews and talking to players, I didn't get the feeling like, oh, we're going to miss Russell so much. Like I, he, he just did everything for this team, and it was just incredible the way that he just carried us. Like you never heard that, and you didn't. And, and to me, I just, I just thought that maybe we would, that we would hear more of that. Where is that surprising to you? Yeah, although I'm wondering like who that guy would have been. I guess I was thinking Stephen Adams might go off on a little thing. Yeah, or even Andre. Um, yeah, or yeah. Terrence. I mean, Terrence, like all his NBA career that he knows is Russell. You know. Yeah, I th- I thought probably Andre was the most or or the nicest, like bringing up Rusk when he talked about wanting to lock him down and mm-hmm. how they were still really good friends and. I'm guessing he or Steven were probably the closest to Russ yeah. over these last couple of years. But yeah, mm-hmm. they, they were, it seems like the team's like ready to move on. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel like there was like a lingering cloud over the team, at least listening to the interviews. Yeah, I, there wasn't a, a lot of Russ talk. And you j- I just thought that we'd hear more. Uh, and maybe that was just my mistake. Because it does, you're right. I think it does feel like they're, they're ready to move on. Uh, you, you into the, the Darius, you into Darius Baisley anymore after listening to him? You know, the, honestly, one of the things I was most excited to hear was that he has a good relationship with Chris Paul because yeah. watching his Instagram, I was like, oh man, I bet he's going to annoy Chris Paul so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so to know that they already have established a good relationship, that makes me feel better. Uh, I can confirm that he did catch a big old bass. Uh, when he was out. Oh, really? Yeah. I asked him about it. And uh, he said he had never caught a fish before in his life and that he caught one for the first time and he was very excited about it. So, Where, where is he from originally? I think he's I from remember. Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty confident he's from Ohio. Um, uh, I'm looking, looking through my notes. Uh, Mike Muscala, he's neighbors with Nerlens. That was the most exciting thing he said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, got, you got any Justin Patton hype after? No, there were a few guys who, like, I, I missed, like, the very first word of the first question, like, when mm-hmm. they were usually saying their name. And then I wouldn't figure out who they were until the, the end oh, okay. sometimes. And he was one of those. <laughs> yeah. Where I just kind of glossed over his interview. The the biggest takeaway for me is that he's got two screws in his in his foot. Oh, that was that guy. Okay, I remember somebody talking about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I thought Steve gave a really good answer about, about consistency mm-hmm. and about the difference between just getting up mindless shots versus actually focusing on what you're trying to improve. Yeah. Um, there's just so many smart guys on this team. I, I really do think they have good veteran leadership. Yeah. And, and that's why you kind of start buying into them being better than people think, like winning more than 32 games or whatever it was. Yeah, I know, man. I, the Andre stuff pushes me to think that the, I already, I think I already took the over, but I think that it could be even, like they could be 500. If Chris Paul stays and Andre's healthy and Steven, and even if they lose Gallinari, like I still think that that's a possibility. Uh, just because I think they're going to have a, a baseline defense that's really good if Andre is back to where he thinks he can get. I just, I just think that that's possible. Because I saw someone on Twitter, uh, you know, some random account 
it wasn't even connected to me, but they were saying that OKC had the worst starting five in the league. And obviously I didn't think that was true. But then I started thinking about it, like how high up would I rank their starting five? Because if Andre really was 100%, starting lineup of CP3, SGA, Dre, uh, Gallo, and Steven Adams, like that's it's at least a top 20 starting five. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> they have the worst starting five in the league, and that's just—I mean—that's just can't be true. How can you look at the Eastern Conference and say that? Right. Yeah. He obviously has never seen the Wizards play. Yeah, the Wizards, the the Hornets. I mean, it's the Knicks. I mean, there's just yeah. There's there's no way that 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 that's true. Gallinari was really good last year, and Chris Paul is still good. And Stephen Adams is a good player. I just don't. I just that's a that's a really that's a, just a dumb tweet. It's a really super dumb tweet. Um, how soon are we to their first game? I was just looking that up. Okay, it's six days away. The Mavericks at home. So next Tuesday. So we're a week away. Yeah, and we'll we'll learn a lot about them as the week goes on through training camp and kind of who's going to start. I mean, there's this is really. A pretty selfless team because like I don't think anybody cares about. I mean, I think we know who four of the starters will be, and it doesn't seem like Terrence or Andre really care uh, one way or another if they're going to start. At least that's how they are portrayed. So I think we know they took the photo, like the team photo that they're going to push out to everybody with those six guys, uh, which includes Dennis Schroeder and no Andre, but I think that you can include Andre as seven. So who else do you, do you think is going to be in the rotation? So we're talking Schroeder, Adams, Gallinari, Robertson, Ferguson, Shea, Chris Paul. And then like you have guys like Nader that we've discussed. That's there's there's a Nader hype train right now. You have Hamadou Diallo who you think, you know, could play a role in this team. You have Deontay Burton, uh Orleans Noel I think is in the rotation. That's 8. I think Mike Muscala is probably in the rotation. That's nine. Like, who else is in this rotation? Oh, no. <laughs> As you're naming off all these names, I'm realizing all the crazy Billy lineups we're going to get this year. I know. Really, it's that small, it's that wing spot off the bench that, like, I could see it being Nader, Diallo, or Burton. Like, I can see all those guys. I, I would like to see them all play. I'd like to see Baisley play as well, which I, I think he's more of a four because he's. He's really tall, um, and I just don't know from from what I've seen of him in summer league, which is really limited. But he seems to be more of a four to me. And even Dort, yeah, think, man, uh, even Dort. Even I don't know. Dort. Was did did you guys interview him? Uh, or did he not get an interview? He did. I may, I may have cut it out on accident. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Lou. Lou's a, a good guy. Lou's a, a nice guy. But sorry, sorry, Lou. Uh, uh, yeah, like Nerland's role is pretty well established. I think where there's room is the backup four, which yeah. is that going to be Mascala? I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. Okay. I mean, you don't go to his house and then have I'll him ride the bench him. the whole season. Yeah. And also, I think that he's clearly better than a lot of these guys. Like he's been in in NBA rotation pretty much every year that he's played. Right. 
So except yeah, for the first couple of years in Atlanta, but he played like the dude plays. I think that he's going to play for this team, and he and he can shoot it. He has a he's got a track record of being able to shoot the basketball. He's thirty six percent last year uh, with the Lakers and thirty four with Philly. And I know that's not those aren't great percentages, but like that's that's good enough to play. Yeah, I think the guy I'm down on in terms of him getting playing time is Deontay, unfortunately. Hey, how dare you? I just don't know how he gets minutes. Because especially after hearing the team say, like, oh, we probably should have played Hami more last year. Yeah. And I for, and it feels like we're locked in for Nader for the rest of our <laughs> lives. <laughs> I know. Deontay slimmed down quite a bit. And so I don't I don't know what that means for for his career or for his playing time with the Thunder. Uh, he's listed at two forty five on Basketball Reference, which is really absurd. Whenever it's that would mean that he weighs twenty more pounds than Danilo Gallinari, who is five inches taller. Like that's I just don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. Um, so you you thought Ferg genuinely looked bigger? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not quite as skinny now. Um, so I th- I think that he'll get some forward minutes. Because in terms of like changing body shape, uh, fur gaining weight was probably would probably be like number one on my list. It's a big one, yeah, yeah. I think he's gonna. I think he'll play a lot this year. He's there's a couple like I think Ferg and Schroeder are guys that are kind of forgotten with this team. And I think that both will play significant roles. I think that they both will. Yeah, and I think Ferg will, will play just based on height and length alone. And the the fact that he's bulked up is good, but you know he's a full two inches taller than Diallo and and Burton and guys like that. And so, and you can see that, like standing next to those guys, you can tell. Because uh, I'm I'm not fully convinced that Deontay Burton is a is six five like he's to me he was more six probably six three standing next to him uh so like that's it and he's supposed to be like a power forward like i just don't see it like and maybe it's yeah. just that his strength and his bulk like he can handle different guys uh which is possible but him being like a pj like pj tucker's six eight like pj tucker's huge uh so i don't know i don't know but uh, okay, anything else that intrigues you about this team? Mm, uh, what was it like? Like, what was the mood among the uh, reporters? I think the the mood was well. I can. I'm going to go into this a little bit more on Friday. Uh, it was everything was a little bit more down this year. I felt like like you could. There wasn't like this crazy buzz going on in the arena, which the past two years that you kind of felt that because you felt like there was a really big opportunity in front of these guys and you had national media coming in and you had all these different things going on and they actually moved. So some of the photo booths and stuff like that, that kind of lit up the arena a little bit more were put into different rooms throughout the arena, which kind of even took the the level of excitement down a little bit. So everything seemed a little bit the storylines just aren't as strong this year, uh, at least for now. So, yeah, the mood was was kind of strange. It was everything was just a little bit less than it has been uh, in past years. But um, 
we we basically just spent the whole time giggling about Lugan's door. And I'll tell tell more about that on uh, on Friday when, <laughs> when I get the new intro going. Um, did you have Did you have a favorite guy to talk to, or like a guy that you were surprised by, and you're like, "Ooh, I need to talk to him more during the season." I think Baisley is definitely one of those guys, and I'd hoped he would be. Because sometimes you like see these guys on Instagram and stuff, and then you talk to them in person, and they're just like a dud, and you're like, oh, well, that's weird. Uh, Baisley's awesome. Baisley, he's, he's as green as can be right now, and you hope that he doesn't lose like this youthful exuberance that he has uh, right now because he's fun, he's easy to talk to, he's a, he's a, he's a cool, legitimately like a cool dude. Um, Andre was awesome, and he usually is. Honestly, there wasn't like Shay was really quiet. Shay was a little bit more difficult to talk to, which was a little disappointing, just because you know, like he's a potential future star of this team. Uh, but everybody, honestly, every single person that I talked to, Steven, Gallinari was really approachable. Uh, everybody was pretty great. To be honest, uh, and the guy that like like you could like I feel like I could get to know a little bit more is probably Baisley, and even Deontay Burton was was pretty great. Did uh, did De- has Deontay Burton ever made the connection that you're the one who uh, said his head looked like the Lego Man? Uh, I don't think he's made that connection. No, okay, that's actually, probably for the best. That, I know for a fact that <laughs> that's not because I know I know that he had seen that. Yeah, I know. I think he retweeted it. Yeah. Um, so I, t- I don't think we've made that connection yet. Maybe, maybe as the season goes on, I can <laughs> reveal that to him. Um, okay, Alex, real basketball is on its way. It's on its way. I'm um, so excited. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Do you feel more excited about this team after listening to the media day interviews like like I do? And I'm almost like trying to like stop myself, like, all right, you don't need to be this excited about it. Yeah, it's just one of those things, and we've already talked about it, but like, there's good basketball players on this roster, and specifically the starting lineup could be a really good unit. And I'm just excited for other people to see them. Like, I have a vision of what this will be like in my head, and so I'm hoping it plays out that way. I know. <laughs> and, of, and of course it might not, but... I just think they're going to ha- be a really functional basketball team. Like mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be a top team in the league or anything, but I think they're just going to play basketball really well, and it's going to look a lot different from what we're used to. Um, yeah. And so kind I, of, I agree with what you said, and I think they they basically have added that like additional depth piece that the Thunder have always needed in Shea because like you. You exchange Paul George for Gallinari. Obviously, that's not a great exchange for the Thunder. You you have to factor in all the picks and everything to to get to a Paul George level. But still, like you're talking about, like a 20 point score for the team. That's great. And then you swap Russell for Chris Paul. Like that's, I think some people would say it's closer to an even swap. I think obviously Russell has um, is it a, a, a tier above where Chris Paul is, but still like you add these like two very good players. And then you also add this additional depth piece in Shea Gilgis Alexander that can play multiple spots that can handle, that can do all these things. And that's kind of what the Thunder have been missing for the last couple of years is like this one additional depth piece. So it's weird because they've obviously taken a massive step back 
But as far as like depth goes for this team, it's maybe like the best depth that they've had in a long time just because they were able to add it in a two-for-one trade. Right. Could you get any sense from Donovan if he's like excited about the potential offense he can run? Because I have to imagine coaching this team is going to be vastly different from yeah. the teams he's coached the past three seasons. I got no sense from him at all. He was like yeah. the same Donovan. He's just saying the same words, and he's just combing <laughs> his hair over. And that was really about it. <laughs> so, okay, we'll be back on Friday. I will have the new intro posted Friday, and I'll discuss the the story behind some of it, which will some of it will definitely need some explaining. Um, hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you guys again Friday morning.